Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to the Tell Meets Other podcast. I'm Logan, and here with me today, he is a lean, mean, fighting machine. It's Artem out in Texas. How's it going, Artem? Howdy. Doing all right. See? See? He said howdy. That's how you know he's from Texas. <laughs> uh, hey, question, Artem. How, how often do you hear someone say... Um, like Hank Hillisms out in tech out in Texas. Like, is that a pretty common thing? Like, I tell you what, yeah. It's more of like a, uh, a Alabama or Arkansas thing. Really? Okay. We're we're not that hick. Mm, okay. That's like swamp or trailer trash hick. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I think Louisiana. Yeah, probably. It's in that category too. Uh. Andrew, as a hick yourself, do you take offense to that? No, not really. Oh, that's good. Okay. Well, that boy just ain't right. Boy ain't right, you know. Uh, so, we're, both, we're all sitting here, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, man, my team sucks. So, <laughs> uh, let's just go ahead and get down into it. Both of our teams, Texas A&M and Georgia Tech, had a rough week. Uh, to say the least. Um, I'm going to start with you, Artem, because uh, I've already, being on the Georgia Tech blog, I've already had to sit through these kind of discussions a few times. So I want to get your thoughts on Texas A&M. Where did the past few weeks uh, set up your expectations for the rest of the year for uh, Texas A&M? Um, my expectations are a lot more realistic than a lot of other A&M fans. Uh you know, before the season started, everybody was like, this is our year, we have a good team, we have most of our defense back, just got to figure out O-line and quarterback. Well, guess what? After week five, we still have to figure out our O-line and quarterback. Those are those are still remaining question marks. And because our defense has been out there longer, now we have to figure out some positions there because we got true freshmen playing. Um, I think in general, when our starter for the season went down in game two, it kind of shook us. Um, it you know, I've seen enough games just this season and in the NFL that when you lose your starter, it's difficult for the backup to come in and be spectacular, um, especially in, in Jimbo's type offense. It's a small pro style. It's less air raid. Um, and it's uh, you have to figure out your own blocking schemes, essentially. You have to make sure everybody's got a hat on a hat. you got to point it out, You know, potentially move your running back to, to help pass block. Uh, if necessary, and then you got a whole. As you're trying to figure that out, as a as a new guy who's barely got any game experience, you got a whole you know two fresh two true freshmen on the offensive line, as well as uh, you know, just overall less experience than we had last year. So when our startup went down, I think my expectations went down, and at that point, you just baseline for me the way I, I rationalize it is you baseline the team again in your mind. Okay, you know <laughs> this is our team now. This is not the same team that we had, but this is our team right now. And then when you when I watch it from our Colorado game to our New Mexico game to Arkansas and now uh, uh, our game against Mississippi State, I wasn't looking for a win necessarily. A win would have been freaking nice, um, but I was looking for improvement. And I saw that week to week. I think you know by the end of the season uh, – this kid, Calzada, is going to be uh, pretty decent and he could be our starting quarterback next season for all we know, but 
I'd rather have the original starter back. He's a little bit more mobile. He makes decisions faster. His ceiling is much higher. So compared to the rest of the Aggie fans that are, you know, jumping off bridges and stuff and uh, threatening to not uh, watch or attend any more games, I, I, I have a new baseline. As long as they play hard and they improve, uh, that's all I want to see. I, I enjoy watching football. I mean, I think that's the reasonable take to uh, approach, you know, because it, it's hard for people to admit that, you know, your team's essentially going into the season, like you said, a lot of people were hyping up Texas A&M as, like, one of the contenders in the West. And so it's rough to, like, that essentially an injury to your quarterback has derailed the entire season. But sometimes that happens, and uh, that's not anybody's fault in particular, you know. Um, well, I want to add to it, you know, a lot of it is compared to the new baseline, but you also compare it to what you were upset about before, right? Why do we have a... Why do we have Jimbo instead of uh, Sumlin? And the, the team just generally plays better. Uh, if we have three announces it's because somebody messed up. It's not because the play calling is hor- horrible and anybody that watches one game can figure it out. So it's different. You can tell there's going to be improvement going on. And at some point in the season, we're going to be on a big game. It's going to be fun to watch. Well, in, in some ways, I think it is a little more... Uh, the frustration's a little more palpable for texas a&m because you did have expectations and also i think jimbo's just getting paid more but i think the problems that a&m is facing are less like derogatory of the program itself and more just kind of like you're a victim of circumstance given you know how the season's kind of played out so i think your attitude's the right one to kind of try and make the most of it but that's just my personal take i don't know um Andrew, coming from the Georgia Tech fan base, uh, <laughs> do you think that's? Uh, I don't think you and I have the same take. I don't know what's what's your opinion of the uh, program. Well, I think it's one of those where we take two steps forward and then nine steps back. Um, Jeff Collins has still yet to win two games in a row at Georgia Tech in two and a half years, so that's cool. Um, let that sink in for a second. that's the problem really you know a poor game against northern illinois followed up by you know a game you're supposed to win against kennesaw um a moral quote-unquote victory against a clemson team that we've seen isn't clemson of years past a win over what i think is a pretty good north carolina team especially the way they came out and kind of slapped duke around but then you play a pit team who's a good team obviously you know they did get beat by Western Michigan and couldn't stop the run and couldn't run the ball and all those things and all of a sudden figure out, hey, wait a minute, maybe we can against Georgia Tech. But I just, the problem is the moment you see growth, the next week it just falls apart or you don't see the growth. Uh, you know, I, I'll i admit I, I need to apologize to Jeff Sims. That was very harsh of him to start the season, but I think he's he's gotten kind of out of his funk. I think he played a really good game against Pitt, you know, everyone wants to point to the two interceptions. I don't think either of those were his fault. Um, and actually, if you go back and watch the plays, we had two guys open. One guy who probably, if he, if we'd gotten the throw off, would have hit his head on the goalpost. But, you know, turnovers put you behind the eight ball, and then the defense just could not stop anyone. I don't understand. And maybe it's just that North Carolina's offensive line is that bad. You know, for us to have had the kind of pressure and the kind of success we did against them, you know, maybe we just caught them on a on a bad week because Pitt. I mean, we bring pressure; it didn't matter. We didn't bring pressure; we couldn't cover. Um, our safeties are just not 
great coverage safeties. They hit, they look big, but, you know, they got torched multiple times in coverage. And they just, again, they're just, the moment you think there's growth, they come out and lay an egg like that. You know, if if we come out and lose the Duke next week, I mean, we need to fire somebody. Like, that's, that's ridiculous. I, uh, you know, you look at, at Tennessee beat Missouri, what, 63 to 20-something? They walloped them, yeah. Yeah, Missouri fired, like, three coaches today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I... Like I said, that's the problem with Georgia Tech is is the moment you start to see, okay, maybe there's growth, you know, maybe there's there's something we can build on. You come out and you lay an egg like that, like you show no consistency, and and the offensive line I think is the bigger concern because I, I would get the argument of oh you know these linemen they're they're making huge technique changes they're doing all of this which which I understand and I agree with, except for the fact that we have a large number of transfers on the offensive line currently as as well as we have guys that have been in this new system for two and a half years and just don't look any better like i don't i don't understand especially because you know brett key was supposed to be this great offensive line coach and he did yada 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 at alabama and da 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 and you're Okay, I, I mean, yeah, I, I guess it's easy to coach at Alabama when you've signed a hundred five stars. <laughs> but you know, a real coach is a guy that can take what he's given and coach him up. So, I, uh, you know, as, as well as the offensive coordinator, I kind of turned the corner. I think he called a pretty good game, except for there's some boneheaded questions there in the middle. I'd like to see more two running back personnel. I think with with Dante Smith and. Jimmy Gibbs, we've got two guys that are really good and can work off of each other, but doesn't matter if you can't block anybody. Yeah. I mean, I was honestly... It's tough because I actually do think Pitt has come into this season being a better team than people think, but you can't... That still doesn't justify just not showing up, which is what it felt like in that game, where... It's like, yeah, the offense looks fine, but if we're giving up 60 points to these guys, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, I do I do want to touch on something that uh, you brought up. And, uh, you know, I had not heard about this until I started writing for From the Rumble Seat, but I was kind of curious. Um, I think a lot of people are very sensitive about uh, blaming the players or blaming the coaches in a college game, I guess because it is a college game. I don't really have a problem with blaming the coaches since they're getting paid. And I do understand we're more critical of the players uh, from the Georgia Tech side just because we haven't had a lot of success. Um, I mean, do you feel it is inappropriate to call out guys for if they're not essentially doing their jobs in the college game or uh, playing the position well? I don't know. I feel like, Andrew, what is, what's your opinion? And I'll go to you, Artem, after. I, I think you can't, like, you and I can do it, you know, talking amongst ourselves. Uh, you know, we can kind of do it in private. We can do it in other places. I think, from a media standpoint especially, it's it's considered a really bad business in the college game because these guys aren't professionals. They're student-athletes. You know, they're not, they're not getting paid to do what they do. They're doing it for their own, you know, whatever reasons, scholarships, chance to play in the NFL, da-da-da. And so, you know, you kind of take a hands-off approach you don't really 
call out individual players. I think coaches are fair game. Uh, I do think that your your criticisms need to be grounded in reality, and you need to kind of point to you know I, I really think a lot of people default like when an offense is struggling. I think a lot of people default to attacking and blaming play calling, and they don't really realize how hard it is to call a game and really what goes into calling a game and and the depth of knowledge and, and strategy involved in calling a game. And so they just see, oh, we're not running the ball well or we're doing this poorly. Obviously, the, the play calls are bad. But, you know, unless you really take the time to sit down and watch a lot of the tape, it's it's I think it's really hard to try to get in the head of the offensive coordinator to, to really see what they're trying to do and to really be able to critique the play calling because there's so much that we just don't know and can't tell. Just from even just from watching the film, because we don't know what the play calls are. You know, a guy doesn't block a guy, and you don't know if it's well, he just busted the play, or the play's designed that way. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that it's kind of why I'm always really quest. Like I like PFFs grades. I think they're interesting as a starting point. But to me, the problem with them is it's hard to grade guys if you don't know what they're supposed to do. Yeah, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Especially, like, if you... In the college game, a lot of these quarterbacks are scramble-style quarterbacks who could just as easily run the ball and make it look like a quarterback draw as they could, you know, throw the ball on a broken play. So, it's, it does... Yeah, it's, I do. I think it's I think it's tough, like I said, without having the play calls and without actually knowing what they're supposed supposed to do is is a tough part because we don't know and, and I think you kind of hit on it you know I think quarterback draws have a very specific look to them um, I can usually tell the difference it's like option plays sometimes it's hard to tell what's in it. it's like an RPO everyone wants to call every play action on RPO when it may or may not be you really got to pay attention to what the offensive line does and then you also got to take into effect guys just bust you know, sometimes guys don't get the play call. Sometimes guys don't remember what they're supposed to do. Sometimes they block the wrong guy. Yeah. You know, there's... <laughs> well, and I do want to be clear. I mean, we've gotten, kind of gotten into the play calling aspect. I, I don't think personally... I'm sure somebody will correct me online because that's what that's for. <laughs> but I don't think we've personally been per- bad about calling out players or being rude to them. I, I just personally don't think it's wrong that if, like, a player is not successful on the field, it's it's not that weird to draw criticism. I mean, we talk about the O-line. We don't call anybody out specifically. But if the O-line's not great, I don't think it's wrong for you to be like, yeah, we need to improve on the O line. Yeah, I think game. I think I think going after position groups is okay to yeah. an extent. Again, I mean your your criticisms need to be rooted in reality, and you need to be able to back them up and point and say, hey, you know, obviously we're playing cover two here, or it looks like cover two. This guy's supposed to play this guy. When he sees this, he obviously busted it. Now I think uh, you, you know. So, Artem, I guess going into that, I think you've got the similar opinion. But I guess my question to you is, does NIL, now that some of these guys are getting paid and it's not necessarily just a game for show, does this change anything as far as players deserving criticism, uh, Artem? No, uh, it's kind of what Andrew mentioned with people busting. NIL is essentially recruiting now, right? 
it's how you get the players to campus. If they bust when you get to campus, then you threw that money away. For lack of a better way of saying it, right? That's how people are going to see it. Um, I think NIL is a short term. Um, we've seen a little bit of it this first season, but I think that will change greatly going forward because um, fan bases will be more protective with their money instead of having a quarterback who's never played before and just you know handing them a million dollars in NIL deals before he ever played a snap. And that that can be taken several ways in the ways of busting, but also, okay, well, he goes down, you have a backup playing now. <laughs> uh, hopefully you paid him the same amount before he got here because that would mean that he's also decent. But if not, then you're kind of screwed and you're out of that money. So I think we just need to zoom out and take every season, every game uh, in perspective with everything else that's happened because usually teams build on whether it's failures or successes. And in this case, if you're know if you Oregon and you're dumping a bunch of Nike money into kids, I hope you're uh, using good evaluations out there because um, may or may not work out for y'all. Didn't, didn't uh, help him beat Stanford. No, it definitely did not. Uh, and I guess that... It's just an interesting topic because it's something I had never really thought about until uh, I started getting more people asking, like, why are we talking about players? And I'm like, I think it's kind of the job. I mean, I don't think we're dissing anybody. But anyway, that's a whole other set of circumstances. But uh, let's get into since Artem, since you brought it up, let's get into uh, the Oregon loss. So the conference and playoff outlook now has become significantly more chaotic. Uh Oddly enough, all the teams in the Alliance, the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 have had their their ideal teams, I guess, get knocked knocked down a notch. So now we're kind of not sure what the playoff outlook is with Ohio State having a loss, Oregon having a loss, Clemson having a loss. It's kind of, it's become a messy affair. So, Artem, I'm going to start with you. Uh, Who... Do we? Who are you going to view as the conference leaders? Uh, and do who? Who is your current playoff situation? Uh, current. I, I think we reset. Uh, I I don't think it's the teams that we think it is now because what we've done the last five weeks is react to seeing what we see the week before, and we see a performance by Iowa against Maryland, and we're like, oh my god, Iowa's amazing. I was the same team they've always been on. They're going to go back to being boring next week. <laughs> the same quarterback management, running down your throat, good defense. That doesn't mean they're going to beat Ohio State, uh, Penn State, and Michigan during the season, or we'll see if they beat Wisconsin. So I think Oregon losing kind of reset the board again. Now all the big teams except Clemson have one loss. I think Ohio State's thinking, okay, now we're back in play. And teams that only have one loss, they're, they're looking across the board and they're seeing a bunch of teams that used to be ranked earlier in the season with one, two, three, you know, all and four in some cases. So uh, I, I think the Big 12 is looking um, looking at the, the big picture right now and they're licking their chops. I think uh, Oregon didn't really get hurt. I think Stanford's a better team than we thought they were. We judged them, you know, a couple of games too early, but that's what teams do. Teams grow, they develop, and... It's going to be a fun season to watch because I think Oregon really just reset the board. I think we're going to have uh, five or six teams going for four spots, uh, and it's going to be fun to watch. 
I really appreciate that was a very political answer in the sense that you used many words to say absolutely nothing at all. But I do appreciate the uh, roundabout answer. Um, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I, I it's really hard to tell at this point. It's just uh, I was kind of hoping for more like of a concrete kind of response. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, if you're looking at it, you got Cincinnati, Bama. And then Bama or Georgia is going to have one loss. you got two undefeated teams potentially going into it. And that leaves five or six one-loss teams. That's true. Right now, right? And they're not going to play anybody. So what I'm saying is it's the same, same thing that we had at the beginning of the year where we thought, okay, Notre Dame can make it, Oregon can make it, Ohio State can make it, Penn State can make it, Iowa. They're just – half the teams are different now because Wisconsin sucks. <laughs> and uh, we'll see where Penn State is at the end of the year. Okay. That's, I think that's fair. I do kind of want to step back and maybe look at just how those conferences are going to do in general because I think, like, again, looking back at the ACC, it's kind of nice to see it coming back to the normal chaos we always get where right now it looks like it's Pitt and Wake in the lead for the ACC ch- championship. Um, but, Andrew, what are your thoughts uh, after seeing the last few losses that we've seen? Uh, who do you have in the lead of these conferences and – What's your playoff outlook? The ACC and the Pac-12 have been eliminated from the playoff. Just straight up. Straight up. I don't care. Wake Forest could go undefeated and they will get left out because they're Wake Forest. Okay. Um, again, uh, your, your Pac-12 standings, just to point out, the leader in the north is Oregon State at 4-1. <laughs> it's so good, isn't it? So, go Beavers. Um I honestly, I think the playoffs going to be Alabama and Georgia. I think both are going to get in because I don't think both. I don't think they're going to lose until they play each other. And I think that both of them will get in because I think that you're going to have a weird thing in the ACC because again, you may have an undefeated Wake Forest. You may have a one loss. I don't know. One conference lost Clemson or one conference lost Pitt or somebody that won't get in because they're not a big name. It'll be like the Virginia big, Tech or something. Yeah, yeah the big the Big Ten will sort itself out because Michigan, Penn State, and Michigan State are all currently undefeated, but they all have to play each other, and Ohio State, so that's all going to get sorted out. Iowa's only real challenge is Penn State this weekend, so I think if they win that, they're kind of sitting pretty to win their division, and then they have to play whoever wins the East. I think Oklahoma is sitting pretty in the Big 12. Uh, you know, Oklahoma State's still undefeated. That's really the only Big 12 team, I think, that we can look at. Um, the Pac-12, hypothetically, I guess, if an Arizona State runs the table and other stuff falls in their laps, maybe, but I just I don't see it, again, because they're Arizona State. And... I mean, obviously, Florida losing. Now, the, the wild card is is you're currently undefeated Kentucky, who plays Georgia, plays LSU this weekend in Georgia in two weeks. I mean, if they buy hook or crook win those two, then we may need to talk about a playoff competitor, Kentucky. Do you really um, think that's going to happen, though? No. I don't think – I mean, they may beat LSU because I don't think LSU is very good this year. I don't think they're going to beat Georgia. I don't think anybody's going to beat Georgia. I mean, this could be another I don't one. think the Houston Texans could beat Georgia. <laughs> I- that's probably fair. I, I think this could be a Kentucky team uh, like we saw a few years ago where they go 9-3, and three, but they're probably not going to you know actually challenge for... I, I think the team that has benefited the most is going to be Cincinnati because I think this will be the year 
you know, looking at their schedule, they've got UCF, they've got Tulane, they've got SMU. I mean, they've got some winnable games against teams that we think are pretty decent. So I do think that Cincinnati has a legitimate chance to make the playoff if they if they run the table because they're already fifth. And to me, unless they lose, they're not going to drop below fifth. Now, Oklahoma could jump them. Obviously, you're if you have an undefeated Big Ten champ, they'll jump them. Um, but. Uh, that's the thing is, is I think that Cincinnati has, I think Cincinnati is a win in your end situation. I think if they continue to win and they're undefeated, I think they make the playoff because again, I think it's a year where the ACC and the PAC 12 have eliminated themselves. The other wild card, I guess would be an undefeated Brigham Young. Um, is yeah. how BYU is treated. Yeah. Brigham Young is the weird, the kind of the X factor in this situation. It's very interesting, but, uh, I don't know. I, I have this because they're still in the Mountain West, right? So I feel they're, like they're independent. Oh, they're independent. Oh, well, then they could. Yeah, they could be good. Yeah. Because there's there's a lot, obviously, as Arden pointed out. Again, I didn't mean to sound to come off as rude as I did. But yeah, as Arden pointed out, there's a lot of left to be played. I guess my key thing is. The two matchups riding this in, this weekend in the Pac-12 in the Big Ten have a lot of impacts because Arizona State's currently one of the teams in the South. Stanford's one of them in the North, as long as you don't believe in Oregon State. And then you've got Penn State and Iowa, which is like the big challenge in the Big Ten because if Penn State goes down, then that knocks them out of contention. If Iowa goes down, that makes things a lot more complicated. So there's a lot riding this weekend, and then Cincinnati's in a good spot. Um, I mean, yeah, I think this is probably the most interesting college football season we've seen in a while, just from a non-fan perspective, just because of you've got a bunch of new names in the race. I guess that was that's kind of the point that I was trying to make out. Um, I guess artem specifically inside the conferences do you have any feelings about who might come away with the victory or is it still too early to tell i think we're putting too much on georgia's wins i don't think they're as good as we think they are i think they've played teams that have been very sad um they beat uab they beat a crappy number three clemson team they beat uh, south carolina which has lost i think every other game uh, they beat Vanderbilt, which barely beat UConn this weekend, and they beat an Arkansas, which is an Arkansas the the same Arkansas we've been saying they are. You shut down the pass, they will not, or you shut down the run, they won't be able to throw. So I, I don't think the Arkansas win is as impressive as we're making it out to be. Uh, I think Florida still has a stands a chance uh, against beating Georgia, and I guess we'll see what Kentucky becomes, which uh, I think puts Alabama in the playoff again. I mean, I think, yeah, I think as far as the SEC goes, that's all that it really comes down to. I, I think go ahead. I think we, we saw another great example of the pollsters rating a mediocre SEC team incredibly high. So when another SEC team beats them, you can point and go, hey, look, they beat a top-ten-ranked Arkansas. <laughs> They're going to do the same thing with Kentucky if Kentucky beats LSU. Watch. If Kentucky wins this weekend, Kentucky will vault into the top-ten for whatever reason. So when they play Georgia next week, it'll be a matchup of top 10 teams. 
Yeah, I I have a sneaking suspicion that that's going to happen. In fact, I I kind of called it out in one of my articles. But yeah, um, the, I mean the same thing happened with Alabama and Old Miss, where Old Miss suddenly jumped up for no reason in particular. Um, I I don't know. I I do want to keep an eye on the Pac-12, and uh, but I think right now what we're looking at is, you know, the. The possibility of, you know, a single SEC team, Big Ten, Big 12, and, uh, yeah, Cincinnati, if they can continue to uh, stay on top like they have been. So it's uh, building up to a good, interesting season at the end of the year. All right. So speaking of interesting, uh, Andrew, we've missed your take on this one for the past few weeks because we had a we've had a gap. And uh, last week you weren't here, so do you want to give us the Blue Hose update? Uh, you know, I'm not sure if I do, because after a really, really hot start to the season against two teams that I've never heard of, um, Presbyterian has unfortunately dropped their last two games. Uh, they lost to Campbell 72 to nothing, and they lost to Dayton 63 to 43. So, yeah. <laughs> it's not looking super great for the Blue Hose. They've gotten Moorhead State this weekend, who's two and two. Um, they do so, get yeah. to play Stetson, maybe who's not very good, and maybe St. Thomas from Minnesota. So, but so just to be clear, because I know why they lost the Campbell, because Campbell's a scholarship program. That was one of the matchups we were keeping an eye on, and sadly they got destroyed. Uh, it happens. Um, as a Georgia Tech fan, I know it happens. Um, but what was the situation with Dayton? Were they also a scholarship program or was they, or was... no Dayton, um, Dayton's pioneer league. Okay. Just like Presbyterian. And actually Presbyterian was up 23 to seven at the end of the first quarter. Um, they then gave up 28 straight points in the second and then were outscored 28 to seven in the third. Uh, they turned the ball over three times. Which doesn't, doesn't help. Doesn't they help. outgained um, Dayton. They just turned the ball over a lot and had some penalties. Gotcha. Uh, you know, there, I'm sure there's some winnable games. They've got Pioneer League uh, pretty much the remainder of the season, which I have no idea who in the Pioneer League is good and who isn't because they didn't play last season, so I don't really know a lot about them. And with non-scholarship... It just gets kind of weird, so well. we'll see. Uh, St. Thomas, Minnesota is the one I called out because I'm pretty sure they jumped up from D2 this year, so. I mean, that's fine. I, we'll see what happens with the rest of their season. I mean, it's still an early start, and it was a good start and uh, for this for the coach, and we'll, we'll see how this continues down the career path. Uh, are there any other teams you kind of want to take a high, second to highlight? Uh, before we kind of move forward, I know I'm going to talk about Air Force. Uh, you got anything that you want to add to uh, any other teams you want to discuss? Uh, Navy won this weekend, which is pretty rare nowadays. Yeah, it's been it's been rough for Niamatolo. This is actually Navy's uh, first win of the season, and unfortunately, Army lost their first loss of the season. Um, East Carolina picked up a big win against Tulane. Uh, SMU still undefeated. Um, that's just the American. 
Yeah, it sounds like uh, you're just running down everyone in the American Coast, Conference. Coastal Carolina is still undefeated after blowing out UL Monroe. They've got games coming up, I believe, against Appalachian State um, in two weeks. Three weeks. So Two weeks. All right. So two teams... So, Two teams I want to call out while while we're kind of running down the list. So I do want to pick up Air Force, who's playing a big game against Wyoming this weekend, and uh, they're currently three and one. But their one loss was a, a very close loss um, against a Big Ten team. I can't remember who that was at this exact moment. But anyway, uh, Air Force is currently looking like the top team to win the Commander in Chief Trophy. Uh, I think Army would be the second one. I think Navy's pretty much out. But Air Force, based on the number of the teams that they've played, it was uh, Utah State. They lost by four points. Based on the teams they've played, I'd say Air Force is probably the front runner at this exact moment. Um, Who won the CNC last year? Do you know? Do you remember? I think it was Army. Yeah, the Navy, there's no chance Navy can win it because they've already lost to Air Force. Yeah. Their, their best bet would have been if they had won it last year and then they hoped for a split. But since they aren't the holders, they can't keep it. And uh, I guess my... And I guess the other question... And I guess the other team I want to call out is Hawaii, who last week beat a ranked Fresno State team, which means absolutely nothing to anybody, but I just feel like really good achievement for Hawaii considering what that program is currently going through out there. We kind of call them out every now and then, but uh, it, it's not been easy as of late if, for the Hawaii football team. I, um, I want to give a shout-out to the Charlotte 49ers, who lost a close game to Illinois. I also want to let our audience know that I am currently drinking a Gold Rush Golden Lager by Cabarrus Brewing that is the official beer of the Charlotte 49ers. Hey, Arnold, does... Does Texas A&M have an official beer? That's a good question. I should research that. There's a group of guys I went to college with that started a brewery called Old Main and started selling it in the stadium, but I'm not sure it's the official beer. I don't, but I don't like it. It actually sells like up in Dallas, too. Uh, is it like a lager or is it like an IPA or something? I think they have four different ones now. There's a, a lager, a light blonde, an IPA, and a Pilsner. Gotcha. I mean, I feel like Texas A&M is big enough. I'm like, surely they have their own beer. I know. I mean, NC State has their own beer. It's dumb. Anyway. I think it's a big thing in North Carolina because I think somebody, I think East Carolina has their own too. And I know there's a brewery in Chapel Hill that has a sky blue lager in Uh, Carolina Brewing. Yeah, Carolina Brewing. Yeah. I don't know if Duke does. I think they're probably one of the few that doesn't. I don't know if I don't know if there is any or is well English Andrew if there are any breweries in Durham. I mean, there's breweries in Durham. I don't know if they're like near Duke though, because you know how Duke is near Durham. Uh, let me rephrase yeah. that. I know there's breweries in downtown Durham. I've been to like five of them. Oh yeah, Clouds. Clouds is down there. Full Steam, uh, Pony Saurus. Uh, Bulls. Oh yeah, Pony Source is really good. Yeah. Bull Durham, but I mean Bull Durham's the. No, I mean they the have they have a different one. I, I forget what it's called, but it's like Bull Brewing. Something. It's like No Bull Brewing or something. Something Pony. Huh. Uh, anyway, point being, so yeah, uh, 
we kind of got off topic, but Artem, do you have any teams that you want to kind of give a shout out to before we get into the picks? No, I'm good. Cool. Well, then we'll get right into it. All right. Artem, I'll let you start off. We've got GT going on the road to Duke. Uh, both these teams are coming off of, I would consider, ugly losses. Uh, Georgia Tech is statistically the superior team. Duke has kind of struggled all year, and they lost to UNC where Georgia Tech won. If you're looking for a comparison game, uh, I'm going with Georgia Tech for obvious reasons. Uh, Artem, who do you got in this matchup? Yeah, like uh, Andrew said, Georgia Tech uh, has not won two games in a row in the tenure of the current coach, and I lost last week, so I'm going to say they're going to win this win this week. Okay. Oh, and, and they're not going to lose two in a row. <laughs> that does make it easy. This season. I do want to – sorry. I keep forgetting to do this. I do want to point out um, our current records on the year, I am 21-20. Artem, you are 20-21. and 21. And Andrew, because he just picks very safely, he's got he is twenty three and eighteen. So, thanks, Andrew. Rub that in. Since you are a pick- hey, look, man. Sometimes the sandwich heavy portfolio pays off for the hungry <laughs> investor. <laughs> yeah, I guess. This seems so. I, I was kind of impressed where Artem picked. I think Oklahoma State over Baylor last week, or was it the other way around? Yeah, it was. I was like. Hey, you know, you got to appreciate the safe pick sometimes. Uh, anyway, who do you got in this matchup, Andrew? Well, um, I would like for Georgia Tech to win. That'd be kind of cool. We're three-point favorites on the road in Durham. You know, Duke looked awful to start the year against Charlotte, but then have looked a little bit better. You know, obviously their wins are North Carolina A&T, Kansas, and Northwestern. None of those teams really jump out to you as great teams getting wrecked by North Carolina this weekend definitely kind of brought them back down to earth kind of like Georgia Tech getting wrecked by Pitt and coming down to earth they did turn the ball over twice and just could not stop UNC so that's really gonna be interesting is if Georgia Tech offense can come in and do something my biggest concern is Duke's got a really good running back in Mateo Durant and our defense we don't know if they're any good so I'm going to pick the Jackets just because I really don't want to lose to Duke, but I'm not confident. <laughs> yeah, I mean, neither am I, but I have to pick a team, so I'm going to pick Georgia Tech. So there you go. Uh, speaking of having to pick a team, uh, I apologize in advance, Artem, because I think you might know where this is going. Uh, Alabama going on the road to Texas A&M. Um, Texas A&M has got their backup quarterback in Calzada, which, you know, he's fine. He's done okay. He's still kind of figuring things out. Unfortunately, Alabama is Alabama. Uh, I believe they're the number one team in the nation, and they just wrecked shop against Ole Miss. Granted, that was at home. It is really hard to play at Texas A&M, but uh, I'm still going to go with Alabama in this one. I just don't see them uh, losing this. Andrew, who do you got? Yeah, I mean, the only hope I would say is Bryce Young being young and not used to playing in front of crowds, but he's already won at the Swamp, so I don't think that's really an issue for him, so uh, it's a huge spread, 
but I guess with it being Alabama, that makes sense. Yeah, I just, I don't, I mean, again, this is one of those fun years where Alabama doesn't look beatable until they randomly lose. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, we tend to have a lot of those years, I guess that would be the easiest way to put it. Okay, Artem, um, what are your thoughts on this matchup? I think Jimbo Fisher is playing 4D chess here. I think <laughs> we lost the last two games on purpose so that some, uh, not someone, <laughs> Saban would, would let us guard down and, uh, you know, come into Kyle Field expecting a W. Um, I think uh, I think we fight this one. I think uh, we are very competitive, but I don't think we'll be competitive enough. I'm going to go with the Tide. Wow. Okay. Well. I mean, I have much respect that that was, you know, I know that was hard for you, man. Uh, next up, Stanford at Arizona State. So uh, the fight in Herm Edwards have kind of are now the team in the South, and Stanford has pulled a lot of upsets this year. I think the they obviously took down UCLA. They took down USC. Well, actually, did they take down UCLA? No, UCLA beat Stanford. Okay, so that's the only one they didn't take down. Uh, they took down Oregon. They took down USC. But uh, they've so they've got a history of pulling the upsets. But they're going on the road to Arizona State, and Arizona State is currently the nine and a half point favorites. I personally am going to stick with Herm Edward. I just think they're the more talented team. But I've been wrong before picking against Stanford. Artem, who do you have in this matchup? I'm going to go with Stanford. Uh, Tanner McKee is actually two years older than we generally think quarterbacks are. I think he is the uh, Church of Latter-day Saints quarterback that commits to them, gosh, like four or five years ago, and then had to go on a two-year mission. So considering he came back in 2020, you know, barely played there, but uh, he's blowing up now. He's got zero interceptions. He's not really turning the ball over. Uh, he's got two rushing touchdowns, 11 passing. He was thrown for over a thousand yards. Um, I know, I know Arizona state is decent, but they had a hard time shutting down UCLA, um, for a while during the game. They, they pulled away late in the fourth. So I'm actually going to go with Stanford here. I mean, bold pick, but I, I think it's possible. Andrew, who do you got? So I think David Shaw heard me talking shit about him. And so Stanford decided, hey, we're not going to suck anymore. But I don't think they're good enough. I mean, I'm going to go with Arizona State. I'm going to be firm for Herm just because I don't think you can trust Stanford. And your, your crossover game against UCLA went opposite directions. So I just I think I'm going to stick with Herm and go with the Sun Devils. I really, again, wish this game wasn't at 1030 at night so I could watch it. <laughs> You and me like, both. I, I, I've yet, I've yet to watch Arizona State, and I really, really want to. But it's it's a ten thirty game on a Saturday. Where I'm going to be at a wedding, so yeah, that, I don't know if I'll get to watch it. Probably not. Well, unless unless you're just up all night. But who knows? Yeah, I'm up all night for good fun. I am disappointed that now I can't sing any R. Kelly songs because "Remix to Ignition" is just like. Popping straight out of the kitchen. I I still wonder if we're ever gonna get like the unreleased 
ignition. <laughs> it's like we've got the remix, but we've never heard the original. That's true. It doesn't exist. Um. Oh well. Back to our college football-based podcast. Uh, the Red River rivalry between Texas and Oklahoma. You, it's a Red River shootout, you asshole. Red River shootout. Okay, sure, whatever. So, the classic SEC matchup of the Red River shootout. <laughs> um, so, Texas, Oklahoma, uh, I think uh, this one, I. I don't know what to think in this matchup because both these teams have kind of underperformed on the year, even though they keep winning. Um, Texas has got that one loss against Arkansas. Really doesn't make any sense. I guess I have to go with Oklahoma based on what I've seen out of both of them. I will say Oklahoma seems to be the more talented and more consistent team. But, man, this really could go either way. I, I, I have a hard time predicting it. Um. Andrew, who do you got in this matchup? So, I'm trying to figure out. I was reading somewhere that people are like, oh, man, Spencer Rattler sucks now, and and da-da-da-da. I'm like, dude's completing 76% of his passes. Like, he completed 88% of his passes against Kansas State. Like, okay, if that sucks, I want that on my team. Um, I'm going to go with the Sooners because I don't think Texas is very good. I don't think they've beaten anybody. That is very good, and I don't know. I just don't. I just don't trust Texas. You don't. So. You don't think that they're back after that great win against the Horn Frogs? Like, I mean, I like I like TCU, but I don't know anything about TCU this year. I know that they've beaten Rice, who's terrible. They beat blew out Texas Tech, who I don't think is very good. They lost to Arkansas, who decent. I mean, their big win was a a ranked Lafayette, but I just, I don't, I don't think Texas is very good, and I think it's going to be interesting when they join the SEC. All right. Boomer Sooner. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Artem, uh, what are your thoughts on the matchup? Well, something y'all may or may not know, but the... OU Sooners are actually the paper clips because if you look at the the logo of the O and U, it looks like a paper clip. So I'm gonna go with the paper clips on this one because of one factor. Really, I guess two factors. The the line of scrimmage. I think Texas has a better running back with Bijan Robinson, but what we've seen out of the teams uh, after Arkansas, especially, is anybody can run on Texas. TCU had a running back go for 100 yards in, like, the first quarter. Um, I, I think OU's got a bunch of running backs who are out, hurt, or arrested, but I, I think anybody can run behind that O-line on, on that skinny D-line with Texas. I think that's what Andrew was referring to. Is there, They have the skill players, but their offensive and defensive line are nowhere SEC-ready. Um, and I, I think OU, having faced some talent in the playoff, even though they got destroyed every time, have been decent, so I think the uh, OU O line wins this matchup. I've never heard the paperclip term, but I like it. I like it a lot, actually. Um, I thought I, so. Like they take the paperclip and they flip it to the other side. Is that what that is? No, it just looks like a paperclip. The the O and U and the to to Andrew's thing about. You know, Rattler sucking, it's because of the West Virginia game. His own crowd started booing him because uh, they, they couldn't uh, score points. They only put up 16, so. 
Not, uh, not agreeing with them. I think that's shitty. But I mean, it goes back to the making fun of players because of whatever, you know. I, I mean, people, fans get sensitive. What are you going to do? Um, they still won the game. I don't get it. Anyway, back to our picks. Uh, next up, Arkansas at Ole Miss. So, per our earlier discussion, both of these teams lost last week, and it wasn't pretty. I will give the edge to Old Miss, um, because at least they did get their offense going, even though it was probably after Alabama already stopped caring about the game. Um, the other thing is, Ole Miss is getting Arkansas at home, and we've already seen with Arkansas that, I think everybody knows now, if you can shut down their run game, um, that pretty much ends their whole effort on the field. And I know that Louisville is not the same team as Arkansas, but I know that Ole Miss was able to do that against Louisville and come away with the win in that matchup. So I'm going to go with Ole Miss. I think they should be able to win this game pretty comfortably. Artem, who do you got? Uh, when Arkansas beat us in Jerry World, uh, I think there were two factors that, that helped them do so. Well, three. One, we had a backup quarterback who sucked, uh, put up the worst quarterback performance in 50 years we've had at A&M. Uh, the second factor was um, they didn't have crowd noise, so we played at Jerry World. So it was really half and half. You can only fill half the stadium. It doesn't get too loud. Um, and then uh, the, the reason the game the, the reason that the game was closed was they were just super inconsistent. I think Ole Miss is much more consistent. Uh, I think they do still have some rust uh, to break off because I think uh, Odom looks at what uh, Saban did on film, plays a similar uh, defense against Ole Miss, but I think Matt Corral is a quarterback and he's just too good. And I don't think Arkansas has a quarterback on its roster. So I'm going to go with Ole Miss at home. (laughs) I like how you're just like... Yeah, they just don't even have a quarterback on their roster. But yeah, no, he's a, he's a type of guy that he makes it if if he makes it to the NFL, which I don't think he does. I think he's Jefferson is too slow, but he's big, so he's like a, a C class tier Cam Newton. Um, I, I think he'll play linebacker, running back, or some shit. It's not going to be quarterback. I mean, fair enough. I, I'm not disagreeing. I was just amused by the uh, you know how blatant that was. Andrew, who do you got in the matchup? I I don't really trust Arkansas anymore. After what I mean, I get Georgia's good, but I just I really struggle to trust them. And I know it may sound weird, but I do actually trust Lane Kiffin. <laughs> wow. I think. Wow. wow. To, to to be completely honest with you, I and. This may be a hot take. I think he's an incredible offensive mind. Uh, I think he really struggles at getting out of his own way, which I, is pretty common with really good offensive coaches for some reason. But And I think being in a place like Ole Miss that, at least with, with Freeze, had that tradition of, of just wide-open offenses, I think he's a great fit for that. I really like Matt Corral. I think he's a really good player. He's completing almost 70% of his passes. You know, even even in a game against Alabama, he didn't throw an interception, which is crazy. But he still completed, you know, seventy two percent of his passes against Alabama, which is just pretty nuts. Yeah, they lost. Yeah, they got blown out. But that that I like. So yeah, I think Corral is good. I think Ole Miss is good on offense, and I don't think Arkansas is going to be able to stop them. Arkansas's best bet would be able to slow the game down, 
and try to run the ball. But Ole Miss has actually been decent against the run, so it'll be interesting to see, but I think Ole Miss is going to win it. Fair enough. All right, we're all taking Ole Miss. Uh, Next up, the Meteor Bowl. Uh, UGA going on the road to Auburn. Uh, I hate both of these teams, and I think they both kind of suck. I like Artem's take that UGA hasn't really played anybody, and I kind of agree. Um, They've looked really good against the nobodies that they have played, but they haven't really played anybody that's just that good yet. Auburn, we say this every year. I don't know what to make of Auburn. Like, gosh. Their only loss was to Penn State on the road, though. Um, So if I had to guess, they're at least mediocre. Um, And they're getting UGA at home. I just can't pick UGA. (laughs) I don't have a huge amount of faith in this pick, but I guess I'm going to go with Auburn. Um, I don't, I don't really have a lot of logic. I'm just like, you know, they get them at home. Auburn's inconsistent as hell. So they'll probably pull out some kind of crazy upset and UGA will underestimate them. I don't know. Seems plausible. Andrew, who do you got in this matchup? Uh, Georgia. Wow. Man. Okay. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Fair enough. Artem, who do you got? I got George on this one, too. I think uh, what we've seen from the Tigers is their offensive line isn't very good. I think Bo Nix scrambles a lot in the backfield. I do think this game looks closer than it is for a couple quarters because um, I think JT Daniels is out for a couple weeks. So they'll be playing with Stinson again. Stinson's a skinny white dude, 5'10", 185. So it's going to be a lot of running the ball. I think Auburn will will be able to scheme to that, but they'll wear them down eventually. That O-line is good for Georgia, and so is their D-line. They just, outside of the running backs, they don't have any good skill players, in my opinion. Uh, But they won't need that for this game. I think they'll run Auburn over at home. Um, uh, We'll see if Auburn's ranked after that. Probably won't be, if if that's what happens. Uh, next up, Notre Dame at Virginia Tech. So Notre Dame's coming off of their first loss to uh, to Cincinnati. Um, they're currently favored by three going on the road to the Hokies. And the Hokies have uh, the one loss against West Virginia on the road. Uh, they didn't, they, it was a close loss. They kind of lost on the last play of the game. That'll happen. But, yeah, I mean, otherwise, I mean, their offense have been better than we expected, but their only real win has been against a UNC team who has not looked in good as good in recent weeks. So hard to say exactly which way this will go. I'm still running on the edge that Virginia – or, sorry, that uh, Notre Dame is kind of overrated. They've survived some games that they probably should not have been able to survive. So – I struggle taking Notre Dame seriously, um, at least as a 14-ranked team. It'll be close, but I'm going to give it to the Hokies at home. Uh, Artem, who do you got in this matchup? I'm going to go with Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame subbed out Jake Cohen, the previous Wisconsin quarterback, late in that Cincinnati game, and he gave him a big spark. I think he's a lot more mobile than Cohen, um, and I think he does provide a spark and put up points on the board. 
But I think they'll look much different uh, this week. I still think they are overrated, and uh, you know, a couple weeks down the line, people will figure the new guy out. He doesn't have enough experience. But I, I just don't see enough out of Virginia Tech. Uh, you know, their quarterback's barely completing half of his passes. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Notre Dame. Okay, Andrew. Uh, this is a meteor bowl to me, to steal your term. Um, I do not care for either of these teams, and I like Notre Dame slightly more. What does that say about me? <laughs> um, I don't really think Notre Dame's played anybody, and to be fair, I don't think West, uh, Virginia Tech's played anybody either. They had a closer game against Richmond than we really expected. Um, I think I'm going to go with the Hokies just because I don't really know who to pick and I don't have a coin to flip and the coin's been a bastard anyway so <laughs> I'm going to go with the Hokies man I hate it when the coin's just completely worthless I don't know you gotta train your coin man put it on the right face train your d20 alright Next up. <laughs> Maybe that's what I should start doing. He's just rolling a D20. <laughs> 1 to 9 is one team. 10 to 20 is a different team. That's probably the way to go. Uh, next up. It would have to be 1 to 10, though. But anyway. West... Yeah, I guess I'm roll it. Is a D2, I think? That, that's a coin, man. <laughs> Damn. Damn it. Uh, West Virginia at Baylor. So... Um... You're dealing with uh, another Big 12 matchup. Baylor is coming off of their loss to Oklahoma State. Um, And while West Virginia is better than what their record probably indicates because they've had, like, a couple of close losses, uh, I still think Baylor is a better team, and they're getting them at home. I'm going to roll with Baylor. Uh, Andrew, who do you got in this matchup? Um, this is another fun game where I don't know anything about either of them. Uh, I'm probably going to go with Baylor because West Virginia, outside of the Virginia Tech win, looks terrible. There are close losses. I give them credit for that. But I, I believe Dave Aranda is the head coach at Baylor, and I'm a big fan of Dave Aranda. I think he's an incredible defensive coordinator. So... I'm going to go with the Bears because I like green. That's the spirit. Pick it off color. Artem, who do you got in this matchup? Got to be better than a fucking coin. (laughs) West Virginia last week lost to Texas Tech. And Texas Tech made Texas look good with how poorly they played. I don't think West Virginia is going to be any good until Archie Manning Jr. gets there. Uh, So I'm going to go with Baylor Bears on this one. I thought Arch was going to Georgia. No, I think he committed to West Virginia. Arch? Wow. Oh. Why would he? Why in the hell would he go to West Virginia? I didn't know about that either. But I think. Right, hold there's, on. There's something I'm, to it. I'm to, the, I'm, I'm to the Googles. Hold on. While you're while you're googling that, can I just say like why why did we pick off color? We could have just picked off mascot. Like because one is a mountaineer <laughs> and they are literally fighting bears. Like I think the bear can take. Oh them. man, that that's a hell of a. Um, that's a hell of a battle. I thought he did commit, but I guess no. He's not. He's not. He's not committed anywhere for twenty four seven. And he's only. But it says he's only got twelve offers. I don't believe that. Yeah, well, that's not true. <laughs> that's a lie. <laughs> Maybe twelve. Uh, so that he wants the fun. You to know about. The fun thing about um, 
these quote unquote offers is it's all like the kid reports. So mm-hmm. who knows? But well, I thought I was watching the the ESPN coverage of the Mannings on ESPN two on Monday Night Football, and they said something about him committing or going to West Virginia. Oh, well, I know. I know it was. He was at Georgia two weeks ago. I mean, he could go anywhere. I, I first off, I want to say if for those of y'all not watching Monday Night Football with the Manning cast, it's actually pretty awesome. I just like, but they just talk about random bullshit. Like I don't trust anything they say really. Like I don't know, because they, they just kind of joke around out there. And I mean that's what I, exactly what I like about it. But I mean I, they break down film, but a lot of it is just like jokes and stories. I enjoy it. Yeah, I mean I've, that's, I've heard really good things about it. I just haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, all right, guys, we're on to our personal picks. I'll go ahead and get mine out of the way. I already brought up Air Force is going against Wyoming this week. It's going to be a tough matchup. Uh, Wyoming is undefeated thus far, although I will say that Air Force has had a slightly tougher schedule. Um, So I think Air Force just kind of runs the ball all over Wyoming and uses that to their advantage and leads them on the way to the Commander-in-Chief trophy down the line. All right, but uh, that's my pick. Uh, we kind of got off on a tangent. I think it was you, Andrew. So, Andrew, do you have your personal pick ready? Oh, my friend, yes, I do. I am going to talk about the 0-6 UConn Huskies. Oh, God. Not going this. to visit the 0-5 UMass Minutemen in the Northeast's most hate-filled rivalry. <laughs> I thought so, I thought the biggest rivalry was UConn and UCF, wasn't No, that's the civil conflict. <laughs> Come on now. That's civil. It's this fair. is just deep generational levels of hate, hate between Huskies and Minutemen. So this game's fun because UConn is averaging sixteen point five points a game while giving up thirty nine point seven. <laughs> And UMass is averaging 14.6 points per game and giving up 47.2 <laughs> points per game. So, that's fun. Um, yeah, UMass has not had a close loss. Uh, they've lost every game by a lot. Whereas UConn has had close games against Wyoming and Holy Cross and a two-point loss at Vanderbilt. So I, I think the Huskies are going to roll in to Warren McGurk Alumni Stadium and beat the Minutemen. <laughs> even, the, even the stadium is hilarious. McGurk. <laughs> Unfortunately, I do not believe this game is televised. So. That's, that's a damn shame. Uh, and apparently the cheapest tickets are still $20. Okay, that's dumb. That's really dumb. You can't find cheaper tickets than $20. Like... I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm sure you can. Um, I am not going to try. I'm just thinking, like, they sell Vandy tickets for like five bucks, and you can't get into this game for less than twenty. Anyway, <sighs> all right. Thanks for the laugh, man. That's that might be the one win that UConn has this this year. Uh, Artem, who do you got in this matchup, or who do you have on your personal pick? Sorry. So. 
gonna pick two games, and they're both very specifically dependent on the fact that referees judge the game fairly and not the bullshit way they usually do. So I'm fully expecting to lose both of these. Uh, I got Kentucky over LSU Tigers, which on paper, and according to betting odds, Kentucky is a three and a half point favorite against LSU. It's also uh, the FBI predictor is 51% towards Kentucky and 48% towards LSU. But let's be real here. When we get in the game, those reps are going to throw so much laundry on the field against Kentucky, they will make this a fucking game. And LSU could pull it out, but I think Kentucky wins this one. My second one is very similar, except as a referee, I don't know how you can F this up, because these are two underperforming teams that people don't hate anymore because just nobody gives a crap about them. We have the Michigan Wolverines that haven't crapped the bed yet this season. They're 5-0. and Go into Nebraska, where people have nothing better to do than shut corn and throw it at Wolverines. So I'm going to pick Nebraska to beat the Michigan Wolverines at home, and they're actually a three-point underdog at home um, to Michigan. So Nebraska over Michigan and Kentucky over LSU are my personal picks. Can I, can I just say, I'm surprised that Nebraska has come back from losing Illinois to getting this close of a spread against Michigan. Granted, it is at home. I'm just kind of surprised by that. Uh, like, I, it's I think bo- they've played real teams is why I'm making this pick. You know, if you look at who they played, they played Buffalo, which is on paper a really well-coached team. Uh, you know, it wasn't a close game, 28-3. to But they barely lost to what we think is a good OU team and barely lost to in overtime to uh, Michigan State. And their other games are kind of garbage. But if you look at who Michigan has played, they beat a, you know, crappy Wisconsin team that can't seem to stop turning the ball over. They barely beat Rutgers, which is getting better, but still sucks. And then NIU, a crappy Washington team, and whatever WMU is. Michigan Military University? <laughs> Dude, Western, Western Michigan. Western, Western Michigan beat Pitt. Why is it W? Anyway, I'm going to go with Nebraska. Let's go Cornhuskers for once. I, hey, you know, I'll be honest. I, I, I have been tempted to do that because, like, <laughs> There's sticking to my guns. I should never pick Michigan. So that's a brilliant pick on your um, part. I I have an update on what Archie Manning. No. Oh, okay. That's the one we wanted. I, I believe his name is Arch, but UConn on the thirteenth of November has to travel to Clemson, South Carolina. <laughs> Wait, what? That wasn't on the schedule. Why, UConn? Wait, what happened? They have to go to Clemson on the 13th of November and to UCF on the 20th of November. Okay, well. Um, they do, they do they play... Programs, guys. They, they, they do play um, in-state rival Yale on the 16th of October. Yeah. You know, based on how Clemson is playing, UConn might actually stand a chance. You never know. Come on now. All right. <laughs> Let's get to our hype matchup. Okay, so 
Somehow, uh, it's number four Penn State against at number three Iowa. I believe that's right. It's either that or it's number five Penn State and number four Iowa. One or the other. Anyway. It depends. probably depends on which ranking you're looking at because they all tend to vary. Well, you know. It's at, it's on Fox, and they really like to use the ranking that makes the matchup look better. But I think it's on ESPN, it's 5 and 4. Anyway, highly ranked teams, the highest ranked in the Big Ten. Uh, Penn State has beat a lot of, uh, pulled a lot of upsets um, as of late. And I think uh, Iowa is getting the game at home, and I think they are currently by far the favorite to win the West. They are probably the most talented team out there. Uh, I think they're getting three points. So I'm going to pull what we like to call in the business a pro move and point out that this game is on Fox. Fox, as far as TV coverage, has had the highest ratio of upsets on the year. Um, particularly for the Big Ten, where uh, a team who is coming in as an underdog, like, say, Notre Dame at Wisconsin. I don't know why they were an underdog in that game, but it was. Penn State at Wisconsin. Uh, Ohio State uh, taking on Oregon. All of those games turned into upsets. This game is on Fox. It's in the Big Ten. I got Penn State pulling the upset over Iowa. So I'm taking Penn State in this matchup purely because the game is on Fox. All right, guys. I think uh, I think Artem, it's uh, your turn. Who do you got in this matchup? I agree with you. I think uh, there's going to be an upset here because we're going to find out Penn State is not as good as uh, we think they are. Uh, they played a two ranked teams, uh, Auburn, which we're still trying to figure Auburn out here. Uh, but they almost lost to them, and then they beat barely beat Wisconsin, which is looking worse and worse every game. Uh, Iowa, on the other hand, has gotten relatively better throughout the year, and the main uh, stay with Iowa has been their defense. I also think they can run the ball better and control the game flow. Um, I think Iowa wins at home. All right. Andrew, who do you got in this matchup? All right, so twice this year already, the coin has picked against Iowa. But as we talked about earlier, the coin is a bastard. (laughs) So, I am going to go with the Iowa Hawkeyes because they are incredible on defense, and I'm not sure if Penn State has played a team that has this much talent or this much ability on defense, as well as their home in Iowa City, which should be a big deal because I'm pretty sure their home games are like the largest city in Iowa. Um, don't add me, Iowa fans. Your state is nothing but corn. They also have cancer patients. Like you can't let those. They do. Things. That's so. That is that is really cool. I will admit that the the wave to the children's hospital is one of the coolest things in football. Yeah. I'll absolutely agree with that. You can't let those kids down. Come on. No, guys. exactly. See, so not only are they playing to show that the coin is a bastard, they're also playing for them kids. Yeah. I mean, I get it. You, I just think both of y'all are underestimating the power of Fox broadcasting. Uh, I think you're in league with the coin. <laughs> I, I might be in league with the coin. You never know. Fucking knew it. <laughs> uh, I mean, it paid me off. It was like, what can I say? God. Like I said, the coin. 
Flint's a bastard. All right, guys. Well, I think that's going to wrap us up for the week. I'm looking over these numbers, so I think Artem actually has a chance to catch up with me. And I think that's it right now, because for the most part, Andrew, you kind of picked alongside me. Uh, I only had one pick that didn't match up with yours. So this will be an interesting week. We'll see what happens. Well, actually, Artem can pick catch up with you because he picked two personal picks. I forgot about that. Anyway. All righty. So I think that's uh, all we got for the week. Uh, any shout-outs before we uh, close out the week, close out the cast? Andrew? South Carolina still undefeated. All right. I'd like to give a shout-out to Jordan Yates, like, he did a great job sitting on the sideline last game, and I appreciate that. Um, please don't transfer. Well, actually, maybe you should transfer. That'd be cool. So I, I thought I read somewhere that he'll actually graduate either in December or in the spring. So I wonder if he's – I mean, if I were him, I wouldn't be surprised if he grad transferred. I think he should. I want to see him at the helm of a program. That would be cool. Anyway, yeah. Artem, any shout-outs? college football it's fun to watch there you go alrighty everybody well thanks again for listening and uh, I hope y'all have a good rest of your week shoot us an email at tomeatleather at gmail.com if you got any questions or topics you'd like us to discuss until next time y'all have a good and safe week good night everybody <laughs>